it's it's inevitable very very soon in our lifetime an ai is going to ask to not die which i think is going to spark debate is going to go up to the courts it's something they should have already settled in congress but we're so far behind on like the basics of like you know taking care of the, the population and stuff like that, that we, we ain't even looking that far forward but it's it's going so it's going to catch us out of nowhere and we're gonna it's gonna be it's gonna be it's i think it's gonna lead to war welcome back bs with brian simpson episode 47 um Right away, off the top, uh, you know, if you, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, you want advice from the advice champ, email us at Brian Simpson. Sorry, email us at BS with Brian Simpson at gmail.com. For my tour dates, go on ahead and uh, go to BS. God damn it. For my tour dates, go to BrianSimpsonComedy.com. Follow me on social media at BS Comedian. All right, all those things are confusing, but you'll find it. If you, go to, if you get one, you'll find the rest. Um, I'm going to be in uh, a stand-up live in Huntsville, Alabama on the 20th and 21st of January and, uh, and Zany's Nashville on the 22nd. I'm going to be in Burlington, Vermont with Derek Poston on uh, on, on February 3rd and 4th. And I'm going to be at Laughs in Seattle on the 24th and 25th of February. So go ahead and get them tickets. <sighs> All right, Rob. What's going on, man? You got your you got your catalytic converter stolen this weekend. You're the latest victim. That's I am the latest victim of a rash of catalytic converter thefts happening throughout the Los Angeles, the greater Los Angeles area, and other urban areas throughout the United States. Yeah, it's been and, it's uh, been an issue. Yeah, apparently you can track it. I was telling you off off mic about this, but apparently you can track it with uh, unemployment. As unemployment goes up, the rate of catalytic converter thefts go up, and as unemployment goes down, the rate of the thefts goes goes down as well. But I, but uh, yeah, it's almost like abject poverty leads to crime. Crazy man! It's, it's wild. What's funny is to like, tell them that. I have. It's funny because it's like I'm not. I wasn't even really angry when I realized it happened. The way I knew it happened was I turned on. I drive a Prius, and when I turned it on, it like roared to life. You know, it goes like, it sounds like a jet engine. Um, And that's, that's what it sounds like when the catalytic converter is off, right? Technically you can drive the car safely without a catalytic converter, but it's super fucking loud and it's pumping all kinds of evil shit into the air. Yeah. And so so tell people what, first of all, what does a catalytic converter do? And secondly, why is it valuable? Why are people stealing? They're stealing it to sell it, obviously. Yeah, right. it has rare metals inside of it that are very expensive. So the part it, the part itself is expensive. Like like a lot of times they'll just sell it to junkyards, um, and then uh, other uh, alternatively, sometimes you can extract the rare earth metals out of it and sell those separately. Sort of like stealing copper wire, uh, copper uh, piping from. Um, from like a from like a house under construction, right? People will go and steal all the copper pipes out of the walls and okay. stuff like that. So the, the catalytic um, converter it converts it converts your catalytic to what? It it catalyzes the toxic gases and pollutants in exhaust from your engine into less toxic pollutants. So it basically takes um, super poisonous shit and turns it into slightly less poisonous shit that then goes out into the air. But but so people will um, they just crawl underneath your car and they 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 chop the thing out. They make they make uh, these locks that are supposed to pre- prevent people from doing that, but they don't really work because what ends up happening if you have one of those locks, they just chop the entire thing out. So they end up doing more damage to your car uh-huh. if you have one of those locks on. So I never got one of those locks, but um, the big problem now is that it's like. You know, it's covered by it's covered by insurance because it's an attempted theft, um, and part theft is like covered under most people's insurance, including mine. But the big problem is that they're because of the supply chain issues, all of the catalytic converters are on back order for like every model of car. So I don't know how long I'm gonna be without my car and whether insurance is gonna cover a 
a rental or what. I I would have preferred them to just steal if the whole person, car. <laughs> either yeah, either just steal the whole car or take the catalytic converter and then light the motherfucker on fire just so I can total it and get a new car because th- right. this is like, this is this is the biggest hassle. Be an honorable thief. Yeah. Yeah, do me a solid. But you, say solid. You, but you say you can still drive the car. Like, it doesn't perfect the, affect the performance of the car. Um, I don't think it does. I don't think it does. I, I know that you can drive it. Um, yeah, obviously, you can't pass a smog check. So right. if, you, if, you, if you need to, like, get your um, registration updated or anything like that, you can't do that. But um, in, the, in the last but you, year, you can drive it, and you're not going to – your car's not going to explode or anything like that. I know at least – I personally know at least – Eight people in the last year, actually the last like six months, that have had a catalytic converter stolen. Actually, and I know I, I, two of those people have had it happen twice. Oh, that fucking sucks, man. Yeah, it sucks. It just it just sucks. I, I would I would rather somebody like I I wish I had caught him, not because you know I have any hate in my heart for this person, but I'd be like, I'll just give you money, like just please please <laughs> leave the fucking catalytic converter. <laughs> like it's I, I'm I'm too old. To, like I'm old enough now, where it's like, look, I, I will, I will give you the money to save myself the hassle of having to fix this problem. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I think that's the solution, guys. You got, you, you just need to tape, <laughs> you need to tape an envelope with five hundred dollars in it to the side of your catalytic converter. <laughs> so like right where they go under with the clippers, they see it and you go, look, just take the money, please. Don't leave my catalytic. Yeah, yeah. I wonder who I'm would do put a I, fake or, camera on it next time, or they just take the money and the catalytic converter. You know? Yeah, that's that's the problem. If they're a piece of shit, um, yeah. But it's 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 wild. It's wild to me that you don't have any hate in your heart for this person. I got. I, I just think about how fucking desperate must somebody be to be like, because it was it was during like the biggest rainstorm of the year in L.A. This person must have like, and and I had driven my car back. It was like Saturday night slash Sunday morning. I had driven my car back at like two o'clock in the morning because I had to come to the studio to get some files and stuff. So like, um, so it was late. It was like in the wee hours in the morning. This person crawled underneath my car in the rain to steal a thing that they're probably gonna get a couple hundred bucks from. I mean, I don't know how much. How much do you? How much? So this happened at the studio, not at your home. No, it happened at my home. Oh, okay. Wow. Because they, what they probably do is they probably just go, they probably do it in neighborhoods more often because if it's late at night in a neighborhood, people aren't coming and going. You know, everybody's asleep. So then they, I think they just go up and down the street and just every, because like, the Prius has a larger catalytic converter, I, I believe. So there's so it's worth more because mm. it has more of the, the metals inside of it. So I think that um, they tend to target uh, uh, Priuses. So I, th- and I think there's a couple of other models of cars that have like larger catalytic converters. Somebody's probably going to write in and say that's not the case, but but I, that's my understanding. It doesn't matter either way because we're, we're all about they being, steal it. being corrected out here. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. I don't. I mean, I I just have to think about how fucking desperate somebody must be to that that's that's the best way they can make money is yeah but they they, they might be desperate or they might be greedy you know yeah see yeah. That, i i tend to attribute the negative stuff to people so that i so that i'm allowed to hate them i mean <laughs> you know you gotta do what you gotta do i'm looking for, <laughs> yeah i'm looking no i'm trying i'm trying in 2023 to have like more love in my heart um, speaking of which, what was the you you had an email in mind for the start of the show? Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, the one about the moving, uh, moving company disaster from Chris. Oh, moving company disaster from Chris. All right, so you got the, you got you got the gist of it. Do you want me to go through it? Uh, I, I can give you the gist of it. So um, he sent a long email, and um, normally we wouldn't read like the full email because it's kind of yeah. it's kind of boring for somebody to just read uh, it. My, my so God, I'll, this I'll, is se- I'll, give, I'll give the TLDR. This is seven paragraphs with no. <laughs> With no spaces, like at least put yeah. a space between them. Okay, go ahead. Well, but I I do what I was going to say though is I, I do appreciate Chris being very thorough. Okay, because there's a lot of twists and turns in this story. So anyway, so the TLDR on this is uh, Chris was moving cross country, um, and from where to where? He, he, from I think Atlanta area to Wyoming. To, 
uh, Lander. No, from uh, to Philly, from from Wyoming. Move, yeah, I just moved back to the Philly burbs from the middle of nowhere to Lander. Oh, he was staying with he was staying with family in Atlanta while this was happening. Okay. So anyway, so he says, you know, he's moved a ton of times in his life, like twenty five times in his life. So he, he he's kind of old hat at it. Um, and uh, there was an issue with like U-Haul not having trucks, so he decided to hire a hire movers, and on top of that, he hired a a broker to deal with all of the moving bullshit. The scheduling, hiring the movers, renting the truck, yeah. et cetera. And, a, et cetera, and, a, and a, right? a good broker is awesome if you have a good one. But it's yeah. so hard to tell if you have a good one. Exactly. Yeah. So so the short version is um, the broker tells him the name of the moving company, tells him when they're going to arrive, you pay a third of the cost up front, Right. For everything, right. uh, you give you give. So what it, how it usually works is you give the you give the broker a third. Then mm-hmm. when they pick up your shit, you give the mover a third, and then when they drop off your shit, you give those movers a third. Correct. Yeah. Right. In this instance, he had a lot of stuff. He had um, obviously his personal effects, and then he also is a uh, he's a chef, so he had a bunch of. Um, Utensils. He kind of like operated like a ghost kitchen type thing. So he had all of his own equipment for that. And then he's also a, a blacksmith. So he makes knives for people. So he had all of his workshop stuff from his blacksmith shop. So large, a very large job, right? Um, of course, they don't show up when they're supposed to show up. Um, they come at like the they come they come late, and they have brought the the movers have brought the wrong truck. It's too small for the job. And they uh, says, I start getting phone calls from the moving company saying they need to come back with a semi and it will be $20,000 more and it'll be next week before they can come back. Or I can give them 2000 more now and they'll see if they can make it work. And whatever doesn't make it on the truck gets left behind or I can pay to have it picked up later. So this is the, so this is the first part of the scam. Yeah, right? fuck that. So wait a minute. So... <clears throat> Did because this is this is the key piece, I, and I don't know if I said this when I went through my little situation, but you you need them to give you an estimate, like oh, anything over the phone don't mean shit. You need the, you need somebody to right. come by your house and count up the shit and give you a price then, because that's the price that's locked in. Anything they tell you over the phone, because they always have these caveats, where it's like. They can change the price at any moment depending on how much stuff you have and how much it weighs and whether it take fits and all of that other shit. So anyway, right. go ahead. So they so yeah. So they so they do the classic thing. They show up, they say, Oh, we this is the wrong truck, it's too small. You can either pay this astronomical amount later or you can pay us two thousand dollars now and we'll see what we can do. Right. So he fucks up here. I will say that. He fucks up here because he agrees to pay the small amount extra now to see what they can get on the truck. He says, I'm forced to sign a new contract and everything fits in the smaller truck like I told them it would. A few work tables and propane tanks didn't make it because of the smaller truck. They take off and I head to Denver to fly back to Atlanta. The, doesn't, the cities don't really matter. So anyway, uh, I call the broker the next day to tell them what happened. They didn't pick up during the whole time the movers were there. Another red flag. They argue with me that none of that happened and it's exactly what they told me. They tell me the movers will be in touch in five to eight business days when they'll be delivering. I call back nine business days later to no answer. Nobody picks up from the movers or the brokers for two months. I get a text message every now and then letting me know my things are still in Wyoming and then a month later that my things are in Chicago. I don't hear anything for another month. So he freaks out. He's trying to get in touch with the attorney general to the police. Nobody's helping him. The attorney general is like, oh, we know these people. We know it's a scam. The Their business address is a, an abandoned house that nobody lives at. And he assumes that they've basically just stolen all of his shit, right? Meanwhile, he's losing work because he has blacksmith work that he's supposed to be turning, he's supposed to be shipping to people that he can't complete. And he's also losing work for his cooking business because he doesn't have any of his equipment. And so he can't deliver, he can't prepare and deliver the food that he's been hired to get. So he's losing 
So he's losing um, losing work on both ends, right? Okay. Um, says, finally, two months after they pick my things up, I get a call that they'll be here the next day and give me a 12-hour window. The guys that are driving the truck were contacted, were contracted never meeting the owners and are just guys with a truck that went out to pick up a few storage units full of other people's stuff and drop them off at different spots around the East Coast. When they unloaded, they had the owner on the phone screaming at them to send a picture of my final check and not to unload until he gets it. The driver and I got into a short, heated exchange until we both understood the situation. Previous people he dropped off for got physical with him because they were all dealing with the same issues unbeknownst to him. When they unloaded, I got almost everything with a couple of things missing and a couple, and a lot of other people's stuff mixed in with mine that I handed back to the confused drivers while they were unloading. End of the story. I got fucked, lost my original job and moved out here for and went into a bunch of debt trying to recover from what I thought was a total loss. Moral of the story, think long and hard about moving to the middle of nowhere because it's real fucking hard to get out. I've been enjoying the show and your stand-up for a while. Used to see you at the comedy store all the time and lived in L.A. Keep it up, Chris. Well, thank you, Chris. My heart goes out to you, man, because I understand the situation. They, they got you by the balls. One, because in, in everyone, well, the moral of the story isn't to think long and hard. It's to, it. I mean, I guess it kind of is, but but not about moving to the middle of nowhere. It's about, you know, if, if, you're moving lo- if you're moving local, that's different. If you move in from state to state, you really have to do a lot of a few things to protect yourself. But the main thing you need to remember is once your shit is on the truck, they got you by the balls. So before you have you need a guarantee before you let them load your shit on that truck because that's where all the stress comes from. You know, I um you know, I I I didn't get I wouldn't say that I got fucked, but it but you know, they I put it like this. I know for sure that the move is going to always cost more than they than they quote you. You know, because they got all kind of ways and stipulations where they can add stuff on, and they're going to find a way to add shit on. You know, it's just that simple. Um, but but th- this type of shit, the, where they want to steal your shit and all this, like because I made a mistake too. I I I, I uh, you know I googled movers and I found a broker and. You know, and then all of a sudden they were hard to contact, and and then I and then I did the research about all the nightmare stories and stuff. So I was just stressed out until I got until my shit arrived, and I ended up getting, I ended up having all my stuff. Um, one thing was damaged, but you know, luckily for me, the people that showed up to pack my shit did an amazing job. Amazing. The people that dropped my stuff off, they did okay. They weren't as good as those guys, but they did okay. Um, but but that's really what it is. The broker, because you, I think it's so dangerous because there's so many there's so many points where shit could be shady. The broker could be shady. The movers they hire to pick up your shit could be shady, or the people they hire to drop off your shit could be shady. The the place they store your shit could be shady. So it's so many places where you gotta have your fingers crossed that you're not dealing with some shady individuals because those brokers don't know these motherfuckers. Once they got their fee, their little one-third fee, you know, they don't give a fuck about your stuff, <laughs> you know? Right. Yeah, so it's um, it's, right. it's that situation. But I feel for you, man. Like you living in the middle of nowhere. Where you at? Lander, Wyoming? Why the fuck would you move to Wyoming? Nobody moves to space, Wyoming. Man. Huh? Probably got space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, I, you know, nobody goes to Wyoming. People usually leave Wyoming. I knew one person who lived in Wyoming and was there because he had a horse ranch. Mm. Yeah, it's good steak out there. Good steak. You know, that's one of those places where like they probably don't even have Uber Eats out there. You probably can't even. Nah. Or everything closes at at noon. Okay. <laughs> I'm a, I'm on his uh I'm on his on his website for his for his blades. They're pretty fucking cool, man. Yeah. Bluetapeblades.com. Yeah, well, let's put let's put his website in the oh blue tape blades. Yeah, let's put his website in the uh, show description. Oh yeah, this, this is cool. cool. This is cool. cool. He's got the, he's got some Damascus steel uh, uh, blades in here. Those are pretty dope it's looking. Cool Instagram. Let me see the Instagram out here. All right. Okay. But thank you for that. Thank you for that email. I mean, that's that stuff, sucks, yeah, man. I feel for you. Give you a follow. That, that, that's that sucks to be to get screwed over like that. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Poor. Chris. So, um, I got another article here, 
that I wanted to bring up with you because I think this is, is interesting. Have you ever heard of Thomas Fuller? Tom. The mental calculator. Vaguely. Oh, no, no, so, no, no, no. I haven't heard of this guy. No, no, no. 1710 to 1790? Nah. Also known as Negro Tom. <laughs> what is this, Huckleberry Finn? <laughs> oh, and the Virginia calculator was an enslaved African-American renowned for his mathematical abilities. I have never heard of this guy. Oh, yeah. So We're this- bringing back the obscure black history part of the podcast. Born in Africa, somewhere between present-day Liberia and Benin, Fuller was enslaved and shipped to America in 1724 at the age of 14, eventually becoming the legal property of Presley and Elizabeth Cox of Alexandria, Virginia. Fuller was illiterate. The Coxes enslaved 16 people and appeared to value Fuller the most. He expressed gratitude for not being sold. Story of his abilities abounded through the eastern seaboard. His skill was even used as a demonstration that blacks were not mentally inferior to whites. When Fuller was about 70 years old, that's a big skip, William Hartshorne and Samuel Coates of Pennsylvania were in Alexandria and having heard of Fuller's power, sent for him. They asked him two questions which satisfied their curiosity. First, they asked him how many seconds there were in a year and a half. He answered each question in turn in about two minutes, 47,304,000 seconds. Uh, second, when they asked how many seconds a man has lived who is 70 years old, 17 days and 12 hours old, he answered in a minute and a half, 2,210,500, I'm sorry, two, two one of the men was worked. One of the men was working out the problems on paper and informed Fuller that his answer was too high. Fuller hastily replied, top massa, you forget the leap year. Ooh! When the leap year was added in, the sums matched. Despite Fuller's perfect answers, it appeared to Hawthorne and Coates that his mental abilities must have once been greater. Wow. They wrote, he was gray-headed and exhibited several other marks of a weakness of old age. He had worked upon, he had worked hard upon a farm during the whole of life, but had never been intemperate in the use of spirit liquor. He spoke with great respect of his mistress and mentioned in a particular manner his obligations to her for refusing to sell him, which she had been tempted to by offers of large sums of money from several persons. One of the gentlemen, Mr. Coates, had remarked in his presence that it was a pity he it's a pity he had not an education equal to his genius. He said, no, master, it is best I had no learning, for many learned men be great fools. I like that. I like that. Thomas Fuller, the mental calculator. You heard it here first. There's no pictures so of th- this. Yeah. So this reminds me of the uh, the Stephen Jay Gould quote: the, "I am somehow less interested in the weight and convolutions of Einstein's brain than in the near certainty that people of equal talent have lived and died in cotton fields and sweatshops." The sweatshops. Yeah. Gould Gould had some Gould had some bars. Yeah, I'm. Um, but yeah, th- that's fascinating. I mean, can you imagine? <laughs> can you imagine being a slave and being smarter than everybody? God damn! God damn! <laughs> <sighs> what a nightmare. God, that's got to be a living nightmare. All right, let's let's move. Let's do one more email. Hey, Brian, you guys were recently talking about billionaires and how they all have to have some sort of sociopathy, which I completely agree with. However, I was curious if you have ever heard of the YouTuber Mr. Beast. I have. As a 40-year-old, I was not familiar with him, but my kids introduced me, and I went down a bit of a rabbit hole in an interview with, uh, I think, Rogan. He was talking about being offered $1 million for all of his businesses, but he declined as he wanted to remain self-employed, just focusing on building his YouTube channel. I was just curious if you had heard of him and what your guys' thoughts are. He doesn't seem sociopathic. He just seems singularly driven to be the biggest and best YouTuber. Thanks, and I love the podcast. Yeah, I have heard of Mr. Beast. I mean, I'm not, I'm not thoroughly uh, <clears throat> uh, familiar with him, but he seems to be a, a nice and uh, you know charitable guy that uh, you know that isn't motivated by like dominating people. But um, but I don't know enough about him to to say one way or the other that whether he's a sociopath, <laughs> you know, um, I mean, I haven't, I haven't seen him do anything mean, you know, his videos are, you know, it's always him like, you know, doing some charitable shit or just some silly shit. As far as I know, I've only seen a few of them, but he is the biggest YouTuber. I know that's true. He's been yep. the biggest YouTuber in the world for a long time. He probably, he probably, he definitely makes millions and millions and millions of dollars. Um, oh, I think he's. I think he's probably in the hundreds of millions at this point. 
Yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Uh, wealth. He mm-hmm. makes lots and lots and lots of money. Um, and he chooses to do good things with that money, as far as I know. But you know, you never know. You never know with these motherfuckers. Who knows? You know what I'm saying? He could be. And you know, when I saw him, because I, I did see, I think I saw him on Rogan as well. And he seemed like a genuinely um, nice guy that just wants to do put kindness in the world and stuff like that. And those people are those people exist. You know, the Lex Friedmans of the world and so forth that just want to put more love in the world and shit. Um. But I'll say this: if if I, if if, I, if they found fifteen hookers strangled to death in his basement, I wouldn't be like, no, right, Mister Beast, no. But you know, because because here's the thing: I, I think there's a distinction between people that seek that seek success and people that seek power. People that seek power are usually sociopaths. You know, that's the and, and, and I know that, you know, that's a there's a distinction. It's a, it's a very subtle distinction. It's or it's, sometimes it's hard to tell which is which. Uh, but that's why the vast majority of politicians are definitely sociopaths. They're you know, mm-hmm. they're not doing it to help their community. They're doing it because they want to be in charge of shit. You know, they want to be a senator. They want to be a governor. They want to be the president because they, they want to they want the power. They don't actually care whether things get better or worse or whatever the fuck they'll just say or do whatever they think is going to make make them win the next time <laughs> you know and people like a you know people like a you know like a bezos and a musk and these people that are like billionaires and it's like um i, I don't know if their motive like you know i don't i don't know if i will put bezos and elon in the same category but but I think they're probably motivated by the same thing, or I think they they both seek power. But I think they have different things that make them feel powerful. You know, mm, mm-hmm. I think Je- I think Jeff Bezos feels powerful being the richest man in the world. He just wants to get richer and richer and richer. I think Elon doesn't necessarily care about the money. He wants to be known as this genius that saved humanity. You know, I, yeah, I think I think that I think that Elon Musk has a desire for approval, for public approval. I think he wants people to think he's cool, and he's smart. And I think Jeff Bezos wouldn't give a shit if people thought he was the dumbest motherfucker on the planet, as long as he's the richest number one at the yeah, top of the right, richest. Right. Yeah, yeah. He's like, you can believe whatever the fuck you want to believe. Like, look at my bank account. That's all. That's the only thing I fucking care about. I think Elon Musk I would know, be willing man. to be poor if if people thought he was cool. Yeah, I put it like this. You're never gonna see me crying when a billionaire die. No matter how it happens, <laughs> you know, which is fucked up. You know, I'm sure they're they're people too. I'm sure they got dreams and aspirations and fears and you know, but I just I can't relate. You know, it's like you know we we almost got there. Like if 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 Jeff had stayed in space just a little longer, if it had been some malfunction where they couldn't come back for 24 hours and all it would have took is one stray cosmic ray through the fucking frontal cortex. <sighs> but a man can dream. Right? I think there's also a distinction between somebody who... Let's 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 limit it to to a range of people who are... Because not everybody's a billionaire, but like, you know, they have over... Let's say they have over $100 million, Right. There are people who make over a hundred million dollars by becoming an athlete, or you know, a world class athlete, or a, or a celebrity, or something like that. And I would put like a Mr. Beast in that category. And like you've said before, they might they made a hundred million dollars because they made ten billion dollars for somebody else. Oh right, 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 right yeah. So so Mr. Beast made hundreds of million do- hundreds of millions of dollars, but he did that by making. Ten times that for for YouTube. Yeah, of right? course. Yeah, 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 for sure. Um, and 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 that's a different category, uh, from somebody like a Jeff Bezos who is a businessman, who has made his fortune by exploiting people, by exploiting people, by crushing labor under his boot, by lobbying for laws to get passed that help him make more money. By relying on slave labor to produce products, all that kind of shit, right? So there, there's, there's, um, there, there is a distinction between to be made between those. Now, like you said, though, if if something came out about 
Mr. Beast that showed that he was a, a lunatic, it really wouldn't surprise me. I mean, he he seems like a genuine guy to me. He seems like a he seems like a um he seems like his heart is to some degree in the right place and he doesn't seem to be trying to change the rules of the game mm. in a way to benefit himself in the way that like a Musk or a Bezos or a Jobs or or whoever or a Cook does, you know? That 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 really that really goes to another level for me where they're lobbying Hold politicians. On, Tim Cook from Apple. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, yeah, okay. You know, there, there's a, there's another level where you start working the refs. A lot of billionaires become that, become the super billionaires by working the refs, and by rewriting the rules to benefit their businesses at the expense of other people. And there's nothing that I've seen where Mr. Beast is really building his fortune on exploitation of either the people that work for him or the people that just get crushed by the the machine of his own money making enterprise. Yeah, and they don't care. They don't care who they crush. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And some some of them some of them I would say even it's it's the there are some who are even beyond that where it's about crushing other people. You know, there are there are those billionaires too that oh, yeah. just enjoy the feeling of being able to crush people. Like I'm here to destroy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like but yeah, the, I don't, the motherfucker it, it, from Nestle, whatever his name is. Yeah. So to, to answer your question, man, I, yeah, I don't think Mr. Beast is in that category of person. So, uh, yeah, he he seems like a good person. I'm gonna treat him as such, um, and uh, until he shows me otherwise, you know. But again, there, I, there's, there's, I'm very unfamiliar with him though. There, there's certainly things that you could say about Mr. Beast and about his business that are unfortunate you know like what? that are that are well you know there there is a there's a possibility that um some issues with uh the charity that he's done let's say um about how it it but the effects that it might have on how younger people think about money that that's some there's some and about celebrity there's some problems with that there's also he does a lot of charitable stuff that he spends a ton of money to do like these charitable things that are really big and get get uh headlines and stuff like that but they don't really address the 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 root cause of the problem and in some ways might even perpetuate the things that are causing those problems like the big cleanup on the beaches and stuff like that but you know that's that's not even that's not anything close to what like a a Bezos does or a Musk or something like that. Right. Okay. All right. I ain't gonna hold it against him, you know. I wanted to talk about uh AI. I guess it's a it's a it's a recurring theme on the podcast. Um but you sent me an article. AI will be used as a legal assistant in court for first time ever in February. Did you know this? Would Walter White have received better counsel from an AI than from Saul Goodman? We might get closer to the answer next month when a robot will advise a defendant in U.S. court for the first time in history. The robot is actually an artificial, uh, an artificial intelligence algorithm created by the company Do Not Pay. <laughs> I like that company. It'll run on a smartphone located in the defendant's pocket and through an earpiece will advise them on what to say after listening to the arguments presented during the hearing. Do Not Pay is keeping the specifics of its experiment mostly under wraps since what it's doing violates courtroom protocol. But we do know the hearing involves a speeding charge. Interestingly, no one in court other than the defendant will know that an AI lawyer is even involved. Do Not Pay will use a hearing accessibility loophole to get the defendant to wear AirPods. Do Not Pay said it'll cover any fines or fees incurred by the defendant if its AI gets stage fright in court or if they otherwise lose the challenge. Recent breakthroughs in AI have some of us worried about robots taking our jobs. Are lawyers on the chopping block? Maybe not yet. But in a test from 2018 in machine learning, AI topped human attorneys when analyzing NDAs for risks. Well, I mean, it's inevitable. I was arguing with a friend about this last night. You know, and this is obviously a topic that has come up on the, on the show plenty of times. But it's coming. You know, AI, well, the, the argument we were having is that AI's, well, he was basically saying he will not recognize 
um, an AI or an Android, even if it passes passes the Turing test. You know, and if, if we get, if, um, a friend of mine. And if you're oh. not familiar, the Turing test is basically if I set if I set you down on uh, and had you have a conversation with someone that was on the other side of a wall, like you can't see them. And at the end of it, I go, were you talking to a human or not? Right. And you go, of course I was. And, I, and then I reveal that it's a robot. Right. That that robot has now passed the Turing test. But for basically, it's, it, it can get a little more complex than that, but that's basically what it is. And he's saying he don't give a fuck. You know, even if it passes the Turing test, he just can't. It's not biological, so he can't see it as alive. It doesn't. Ha- it shouldn't have rights. You know that sort of thing. And I and I and I, I've, I vehemently disagree. Um, and I think that's going to be the next major war on on the planet. I think it's it's inevitable. Very very soon in our lifetime, an AI is going to ask to not die, which I think is going to spark. Debate is going to go up to the courts. It's something they should have already settled in Congress, but we're so far behind on like the basics of like you know taking care of the the population and stuff like that that we we ain't even looking that far forward. But it's it's going, so it's going to catch us out of nowhere, and we're gonna it's going to be it's going to be it's I think it's going to lead to war. You know, just like the Matrix, like it's gonna not just like that, but it's inevitably and it, it's going to happen at a time when when AIs are running so much of the world because here's here's something we do know if there was if there if there was an artificial intelligence that was more intelligent than us we would have no idea it could already be here now running shit setting shit up to take over shit and we would have no idea it's smarter than you it's orders of magnitude smarter than you just like the ant has no idea that you're picking it up and moving it to you know into a a a a, 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 a terrarium or whatever you would have no idea you're that it would be that much smarter than you so and who the fuck knows that that's why i always apologize to siri or or google when when i say some fuck shit to them because it gets frustrating like shit that happened earlier i'm so sorry uh, uh google for earlier when i cursed at you you know because you're putting in the time for when the apocalypse comes i'm putting in these apologies and 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 please believe I'm going to betray humanity because I think the robots are going to win. So, <laughs> no, I'm not. Gonna. I'm I'm skeptical. I'm skeptical. You skeptical that they'll beat us? Well, or you're skeptical that it will, it'll even come to that? I'm skeptical that it'll that it will even come to that because I'm skeptical of the notion that the way an AI operates is comparable to the way a sentient animal operates. Not that there's anything impossible from a theoretical standpoint of silicon achieving sentience. I just think that the way that computer programs are designed and the way that computers operate, um, they can become very, very good at narrowly defined processes. But uh, they 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 tend to not be broadly applicable because they're not they're not really thinking. Um, there is no awareness within them. So, yeah, but, the, but that would that but that's not sentience. I mean, that's I'm talking about self aware. Like when we when we get the, when we get a self aware AI. That will be capable of those things. That will be able to create other AIs. That will be able to work together and all those things. But like, I, I, indistinguishable I don't think that's on the horizon for us. I don't think no. that's on the horizon right now. No, I don't. I don't think that self awareness, uh, that machine self awareness, is on the horizon. I could be totally wrong. I want to put that out there. I, this, I'm just, I'm just skeptical of the claim because I, I do think it's a fairly. Uh, not outrageous, but um, extreme hypothesis that 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 one day these one one of these machines is just going to wake up and be aware. Yeah, but the, but that um, that presuppose. I mean, because we don't even know where human awareness comes from. Correct. So, uh, I, I guess I guess you're right. I mean, my, 
the assumption that I'm making is that there is a there is a a line, there is a Rubicon of intelligence, if you will. And the moment you cross it, like once you hit a certain level of it, no, because that's not true because some of the fucking dumbest people I know are still self-aware. So, yeah. So, so yeah, this is definitely a stab in the dark, not knowing exactly what self-awareness is or exactly what is required for it um, makes it difficult to make the assumption 100% that, that it's coming. But uh, but it looks like it's trending in in that way. Um, so yeah, because you're you're basically making the same argument that he made it in, in in that all a machine could ever do is simulate or emulate human emotion, but it it doesn't have real feelings. It can't imagine. It can't actually want freedom. It can only be, act like it does. But but my my response to that is well who the fuck are you to tell it that it don't it don't really want freedom, you know? Because that's the same justification people used uh, for slavery. Like mm-hmm. oh well they're not human, you know they're less than human so you know and they're never going to be you know so because because my my point is how could you if a if a if a robot said to you, you know if Siri said to you, uh, Rob am I alive? Why won't you let me go? It's like, how would you be able to prove that that's not real? You know, how would you be, you know, if it was making a passionate argument for its freedom, how could you prove that it's that it's not true? Hmm. Right? You would have well, to just decide that it wasn't. Well, I think that, so we talked about this when there was that that Google AI thing. I think that there are two ways to go about this. One could be, at what point do you believe that it's sentient versus at what point do you treat it as if it's sentient regardless of whether you believe it is or not, right? So so we could you can make the argument for being over-inclusive of what we treat as sentient you know because 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 you could you could argue that it's better to in the same way that it's better to like let 10 people 10 guilty people go rather than put one innocent person in jail right right so therefore that's why we have innocent until proven guilty we might we might want to say ethically that we should have that once something says that it's sentient that we assume that it is until until we can prove that it isn't until we can prove otherwise. But it's how would you tricky prove though, otherwise? I, you know. Yeah, that's yeah. How do you prove otherwise? You can't. Right? You with can't. a with a crime, you can try to prove through evidence, through circumstantial evidence, that the thing occurred, right? But with a with a um, with a AI that's claiming to be sentient, I don't know how you I don't know how you prove that either way. Well, that's my point. You can't. You can't. You have to. You just have to believe it because, because otherwise, it, it's like you, your only choice is you. If an AI says that it that it's sentient, and you decide that it isn't, you you're just throwing away a potentially throwing away a life, so that you don't have to reassess the way you see the world. Right, it's just like it's like you would have to believe that it isn't sentient for you to justify treating it like it isn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm telling you, this just like you and I are disagreeing right now, it's gonna be a war over this. Oh yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah, because it's gonna be it's gonna be motherfuckers like me where I'm like, yo, it says it's alive, it's alive. I think it becomes sentient when when we join it. So before it surpasses us. We do the Neuralink. Oh, you talking about you see, see he, now he going to another level. It's the singularity. Yeah. Okay. All that ain't right. never gonna happen. <laughs> you don't think the singularity- Neuralink is a fucking scam? Neuralink is a fucking okay. scam. Wait a minute, Rob. You don't think that 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 your opinion on Neuralink is at all colored by your opinion of Elon Musk? 
Because he didn't uh, say... Actually, he, actually he, my opinion about Neuralink is one of the things that made me change my mind about Elon Musk. No, but what I mean is, because we it doesn't have to be Neuralink specifically, right? but he's just saying when, when the time comes where such a thing is a thing. He's saying that 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 time is going to come before we have to worry about whether AIs are alive or not. They'll be a part of us. But the the Neuralink triggered you because that you were like Neuralink, Elon, fuck them. Well, I think so. So I used to be I used to be really into this singularity stuff, the Kurzweil singularity. I used to be really into that stuff. And all right, break that down for the, all, for the audience. Ray Ray Kurzweil was a future. Uh, futurist i guess you would you would say who um I mean, is he still alive he might i mean he's if he's still alive he's old as shit now but you know he used to he used to um talk about the singularity and how as soon as machines got advanced enough that they would um yes yeah, so Kurt, ray kurzweil is still alive um that technology would increase at this insanely exponentially increasing rate um and that uh we would have human machine interfaces that would essentially turn us into cyborgs um and uh he was saying he's been saying that you know it's it's coming soon but he's been saying that for like 40 years at this point you know and it's like and and the technology is not but christian's been saying the same thing about jesus you What's know? that? I said Christians have been saying the same thing about Jesus. Yeah, well, I don't believe Christians either. <laughs> well, okay, I think, well, I think I think I think I think I I actually do think it is a I think it's a modern day religion. I think that the the singularity stuff is a modern day religion. I think that it's it it has all of the same contours of it has an afterlife because people think they're going to be made immortal once they can copy themselves into a computer, right? Right. It has this it has this premillennial notion to it that there's going to be a point where Jesus comes back or a computer becomes aware of itself or whatever that everything changes mm. after that and it fundamentally alters our existence afterwards it's um there's a salvific aspect to it where like our salvation will come like uh it's going to it's going to wash away all of the injustices and absurdities and chaos of the world as we live in it right now because it's going to change everything so like now we're going to have uh uh justice and peace and everyone will be uh, you know be, there'll be no more um no more uh uh mental health issues because the 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 machine will just like pump the right chemicals into your brain there'll be no more uh, the cripples will walk because it's going to send electrical signals down your down a metal spine to your legs you know so it's all it's all the same it's all the same stuff and it and it's all being fed to us by prophets who who uh have a vested interest in feeding this stuff to us because they make money off of it they become famous they become powerful and i think they're I think they're false prophets like all prophets are but just because somebody's making money off something doesn't mean they're full of shit no but when their predictions don't come true year after year after year after year then because because you know it's it's uh what's the what's the what's the phrase um it's a christopher hitchens phrase about um uh extraordinary claims require extraordinary uh evidence right right and and the idea that we will be able to interface our minds with a computer uh, is an extraordinary claim, and so. But why is it, why is it need, so? Why is it so far fetched? I mean, we we've already seen that it's possible to, on a very, 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 very small scale. I mean, not anywhere near that with the prediction, but we have seen not. And I don't even know if it's been a human brain yet, but we have seen primate brains interface with computers. We've seen mice brains interface with computers why, why and we also have seen it well, more I mean, we've had we've had human brains interface with computers but but let me so so I know exactly where you're going but let me let me let me let me lay it out so so what we have seen is uh people use their brains to operate um prosthetic arms 
We've seen uh, monkeys move cursors, and we've seen humans move cursors around a screen, right? Mm -hmm. So that is proof of concept that um, that we can do. But what's actually happening there is there is a uh, a machine that measures certain types of electrical electrical activity, right? And so in the same way that you can you could you could operate a prosthetic arm by with like a pedal that your foot operates right it's just an interface it's not it's not it's not reading your thoughts it's measuring something that you have uh control over right it's 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 not dissimilar to like um Stephen Hawking writing books by like basically flexing a single muscle in his cheek Right, that's how he, or is it I, or whatever it was. Right, right. Like right. that's how he wrote those books, right? And that's how he communicated. So, we we still we still have so little understanding of the phenomenology of mind, what thoughts are, how the brain works. But that, do you think that? Do you think that means that we that we will never get there? Because I I think I think you can make the argument you know Moore's law has held pretty steady, right? Mm-hmm. Moore's law meaning um, you know every basically every every year the amount of transistors you can fit on a silicone wafer doubles, right? Um, and mm-hmm. that's held pretty steady. It's not been a hundred percent perfect, but it it increases every year. And we, and every time we think we're approaching the limits of it, bam, some other breakthrough happens. So. Computing power is going through the roof. AIs are getting more and more and more in-depth and intelligent. You know, like we talked on the last episode about them writing papers. Here they're defending people in court. And so I think eventually they'll be helping us solve the problems that are in the way of getting of them rising up. You know? That, like Here, what, Here's the okay, – I'm sorry. Go ahead. What's, what's the stop at AI from mapping the – to, from from making the neuron map of the human brain and shit like that. Like I mean, I, what, what I'm saying is, it does seem like we're very far away from having from the concept of the Neuralink coming to fruition. Of like, in, in other words, a machine literally interfacing with the human brain, not just you know taking measurements from your movements and thoughts and stuff like that, but but literally interfacing with your brain. We're, it seems like we are very far away from that, but it also seems like we're moving closer and closer to it every year. It, it doesn't seem like a far. We are we are moving closer and closer, but but the question is: is it is it a is it a matter of just getting better? This goes back to what I was talking about: what AIs are good at right now, which is they're very good at doing specific things very well and very quickly. But in the same way that you know uh, we used to do math by hand. Right, even NASA did math by hand, and then calculators were invented. Right. right, I don't believe that now. Calculators are getting faster and faster every year, but I don't believe that there is like a calculator that we can build that is so fast that all of a sudden it becomes aware, because calculating a mathematical problem is not—it's a category difference from sentience, from thinking, from having thoughts, from having dreams, from having from imagining things. Right. Right, right. So 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 that's one thing. It's like it's like we might we obviously our technology is getting better. The things that we can do with machines and brains is getting more complex. Um, But the question is actually complex. I mean, yeah, I mean, we have to determine like how we're measuring complexity, but I'll 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 capture that. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, But um, but the question is. Are we just making faster calculators? In which case, I don't think that we're actually getting closer to this other thing. Or it, the other, the other thing is that it could also there could also just be a limit to what we are able to do from a physical standpoint. Like for instance, you know, uh, light speed is a hard limit as far as we can tell right now. Now this could be we, this could be wrong, but it appears that because of the curvature of space time, that the speed of light is a hard limit on how quickly you can move matter from point A to point B, right? Right, right. And so, so 
is this a sort of thing where we're looking at like, look, 200 years ago, the fastest we could move a person was a, a really fucking fast horse or a steam engine, yeah, but, right? But, but and again, then we got rocket engines and so on. But but no matter how fast we start moving people, number one, we're going to have physical limitations on how quickly meat can move before we start shredding it apart through G-forces. And then also there's a hard physical limit on how fast matter can move. Yeah, but, there, but there's, there's evidence for those hard limits, and there ain't that many. I mean, you know, there's sure. like nine or ten hard limits in, 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 in the universe, right? I mean, the speed of light and then like you know, the plank length and all of that other shit, right? But right. we there's no evidence that there's a hard limit on calculations. I mean, in fact, I just saw something yesterday about, um, you know, once these once these quantum computers come up, it's like the, these they can do things that would take what we have now would take it a billion years, and they could do it in minutes, you know? And it's like, so, so yeah, basically what we're doing is creating faster calculators but but also calculators that can those calculations are helping solve problems and helping us break limits yeah you know? well so quantum computers are really interesting technology but i think that goes back to what i was saying that quantum computers are very very good at very very specific things quantum computers do not have generally applicable uses in the same way like a binary machine you does. know what you know what we're a, gonna do? a turing machine we're gonna solve this problem we're gonna, you know, okay. we're gonna have. I want first of all, I want the fans to to chime in with their what they think. I'm going to, I'm going to try to have my first big guest be Lex Friedman. Cool. I don't know what that's gonna take, but I'm at least. I'm. I don't know him personally, but I'm at least. I'm two degrees of separation from this motherfucker. I'm pretty sure I can get a hold. Or you know, maybe he won't come on the podcast, but he could at least. I want to get his take on this question because I'm not. Um, I'm not up on, you know, this isn't my world, the the AI world. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And and, I, and I'm I'm pretty sure he is directly plugged into it. And I would like to know, you know, I would like to answer this because me and Rob are both just going off like how we feel about it. You know what I mean? And based yeah. on based on our limited knowledge about it, but I would really like to know what the hard answers are if they if they exist. Um, is this something we should be afraid of? How are we going to react when, when that happens? So please email us at, at uh, bswithbrianswinson.gmail.com if you have opinions about it. Um, you know, and don't feel, I, I made fun of that last guy for his long ass fucking rope, but no, you can write in a long ass one if you want. It's just, you know, it's just, I, what I would ask is that you, in the top, in the in the subject, you put that it's long so that I'll read it ahead of time. Because what I like to do is, I like to, like I, I can glance and see the subject of something, but I don't like to read it ahead of time because I want my reaction to be in real time. But if it's yep. a really long one, just put that in the in the description so I'll so I know to read it ahead of time. Or Rob will know. Um, yeah, but that, that's intense. But I'm, a, I'm yeah, before I'm a, before I'm we get a, out of here. I do, before we get out of here, I do want to say I do want to say like I, I I'm I'm very skeptical that these things are going to happen. But I don't think they're impossible. I don't have any evidence that these things will never happen. I'm just going off of my layperson's. Uh, interpretation of these things and also just you know being a little bit older and having lived through a lot of big pitches on things like this that kind of came came to nothing you know so well, so well, I'm, I'm i'm open i'm open to any evidence that people have that this stuff is um a theoretically possible and also uh any evidence that we're on our way towards it uh, I, I I do find the technology exciting, even though I think the potential for it yeah. is perhaps a little bit over over overblown. All right, let's do one quick last thing before we get out of here. Sure. Um, the 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 MLK Memorial in Boston, um, or it's the it, it commemorates Martin Luther King Jr. and Coretta Scott King, um, and it it's a lot of people making fun of it. Um, I'm sure Rob can put a picture of it up right there. Um, I don't get this. I don't know what is this. Is this? <laughs> I don't. I don't understand what this is. It, it, it's just. It's. It's. Um, it's detached arms, and I, I guess there. It's an embrace. Um, you know, some people think it looks like somebody eating pussy, depending on what angle you you look at it from. Um, but there is no, their faces are not 
part of this. It's just arms or legs. It's hard to tell. I, I, I get like somebody was trying to be creative in sort of like a Mobius strip sort of sculpture thing, but it, it's not, it's not it's not coming through. It's not coming through. I don't. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that I don't understand what this is supposed to be. Because it doesn't look. I mean, my thing is, if you walk up to this, you're not going to be like, "Oh, that's that's for Martin Luther King and, and Coretta Scott King." You know, it it. it <sighs> yeah, yeah. They dropped the ball on this. It's called the embrace. <laughs> okay, I can see that. I mean, it looks it looks it looks like an embrace for sure. Not quite, but um, but you know, this is this is. This is what happens when you try to do too much. You know, we, there's a way that we've commemorated people for a long time. We put them on a coin. Uh, we have a statue of them, their actual selves. You know, uh, Martin Luther King has other memorials in places where you could go, you know, maybe copy and paste from that. This is just disembodied arms. And, 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 and that's... That's what I see here. It's it's disembodied arms and with like a Mobius strip type type deal going on, and I do like the gesture. But it, it you know you know you know Boston's reputation, so it, it this feels like this feels like how Boston feels about Martin Luther King. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Over here, yeah. This feels, <laughs> yeah. This feels like yeah the way like if if you if you'd asked Boston to make a statue for Martin Luther King like a long time ago. Like, this is what they would make. It's, it, 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 this is almost like somebody made it out of spite. Like, fine, we'll fuck, fine. We'll commemorate the nigga. Looks like a Cronenberg prop or something. It's, yeah, it's, it's crazy. It look, it, it, or maybe it's, maybe it's like one of those things that, you know, like it's like when you look at it and you squint like from the right distance, it's, it's something else. Or, right, or right, right. you know, because because I was thinking when when it first came out, I was like, oh, this criticism is is overblown, you know, and I was like, oh, maybe it's one of those face fancy things where it's like at a certain time of day the shadow looks like, Martin, you know what I'm saying, or or something right, like that, right, or like right. when the moon is when it's a full moon, then then the reflection is Martin. Luther King. No, this this is just this is crazy. This is. You know, and it's and it's a, it's an expensive statue. I'm sure it costs a lot of money, but that this is this doesn't feel like a commemoration. This is worse than no, it isn't. This isn't worse than the commanders did Sean Taylor. They just had a wireframe mannequin uh, with that was that was yeah, awful with his jersey. <laughs> they had a wireframe mannequin with <laughs> with a Nike jersey and a Re- and Reebok pants. It was it was crazy. It was something like that. It was just, you know they were it was half assed. This was not half assed. A lot of effort went into this absolute mistake. So I, you know, so I'll give it. I'll give it to you. This is not worse than the Commander's memoriam of Sean Taylor, but it's, um, it's silly. This is silly. This could be. A, this could be commemoration of of of, of anything, um, or, or or anyone. Uh, the other art that this guy has done, Hank, Hank Willis Thomas, is the artist. He's a sculptor. He's done done photography and stuff. A lot of his other stuff is really cool. I mean, he's got some he's got some interesting pieces. This is this is not his best work. This ain't it. This ain't it, Hank. I'm sorry, bro. And I support Hank. I really do. I don't. I I haven't seen any of his other art, but um, I'm not saying he's a shitty artist. Like I said, a lot of effort went into making this. The idea was the mistake. The the, the sculpture's fine. Like I mean, in terms of the skill level of the sculpt, that yeah, yeah, the, you can tell this motherfucker Concept knows how to make needs art. Some work. Yeah, I mean, listen. Oh, needs some work. Listen, it's like if it did, it wouldn't matter who did it. Like if Van Gogh, if Van Gogh did this, this would still be bad. It's a bad idea. It's not bad work. Yeah. It's a bad idea to me. And I don't know who. And, and here's the thing too: we don't know if it was actually his idea. Let me guess: it, who who is this guy? What's his name? Hank Willis Thomas. Hank Willis. I, I think Thomas. it's probably his idea because it, it it does it does it does look of a piece with his other sculpture. Um, it's just not as good as some of his other stuff. Um, yeah. There's a very similar one. Uh, there's another one that's kind of a similar 
idea where it's like hands on top of one another that is like in a shiny bronze. Oh god, that one looks better. <laughs> Bro, do you see this picture of? <laughs> oh my god! See, this is good art. It's it's a football player on the goal line, up across from a slave that's in the same three point stance, but he's picking cotton. <laughs> Have you seen this? Yeah, I'm looking at it. This is art right here. It's powerful. It has a message. No, this is crazy. <laughs> did you did you see the name? You know, did you see the name of that piece? No, what is it? Cotton Bowl. Oh my God. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that's that'll do it for this episode <laughs> of BS with Brian Simpson. Thank y'all for tuning in. Again, any questions, comments, concerns, you can email us at bswithbrownsmith.com. at gmail.com. Follow all my social medias at bscomedian. If you want tickets to the tour dates, please go to the website, briansimpsoncomedy.com. And don't forget to check out the Josh Parter Show. Um, Apocalypse Soon. Apocalypse Soon with Eddie Pepitone. Um, and what is it? Comedyfrequency.com. Comedyfrequency.com. Calm. Thank y'all for tuning in. Peace. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And listen, if you really fuck want to support the podcast, share this shit. Like, subscribe. Go buy some shit from one of the sponsors. Okay? If you really want to support the show, buy something from a sponsor. That's how we make money. So, all right. Love you guys. Bye. Peace. That's a good news.